Well, Happy New Year. Yeah. Oh, come on. You can do better than that. Happy New Year. There it is. It's a, it's a new year. It's a, we got a, a new you, right? You've, you've made some decisions. They're like what you're going to do, uh, how you're going to start this year off, what you're going to change, right? We all do this. Got your resolutions. Who's got one? Everybody got a resolution? It's not too late. You can get one. It's still get on social media. I'm sure you'll find a reason that you shouldn't be doing something. Um, and then you can stop doing that thing. But we, we do resolutions because we want to change, right? There's something that we've been doing that we don't like, right? And so we want to change it. And we say resolutions, and that sounds like fluffy and fun. But the truth is, the reason why we have them, small or big, is we don't like who we are becoming. That, that You feel that? You, you, you don't like who you're becoming. So New Year, resolution, you know, let's put some spit shine on it and, and make, it, make it look nice and, and make ourselves better. Uh, unfortunately, um, it's not always that easy. So today, I'm going to warn you, this isn't going to be your typical uh, message starting off the year. Um, it might be a little triggering. I'm, I'm going to raise a problem, and I'm not going to offer a solution today. You're like, yes, that sounds great, Bill. Because um, many of life's problems are way too complicated. It can't be fixed in 30 minutes or less. There's no little tweak. We wish, right, there's all sorts of resolution uh, conquering things out there. If you just tweak this every day, just a minute, every day, you can become swole by the end of the year. You know, that, all this kind of stuff. And it, and it usually doesn't work because it's not that easy. Because typically the things that we don't like about ourselves, we don't like that we're becoming, is chronic. And chronic things require drastic measures. It requires something that's overwhelming to overcome whatever the chronic thing is that we're doing. And what I'm talking about is that stuff in your life that you said, I won't do it again, Lord, I promise. Help me out of this situation, Lord, forgive me. And then you do it again a month later, and you're like, Lord, here we are again. Lord, just help me out of this situation, I, and I'm sorry. You know, you kind of repeat, 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 repeat. That's the sign of a chronic issue, a chronic behavioral issue. And so by the end of this message... I, if you feel frustrated, mission accomplished. Okay, that's, that's kind of what I'm hoping for today. Welcome to Village Heights, where we make you feel good out, coming out the door, uh, but not today. So many of things that we, we want to do, that'd be my success and goal. You leave not feeling the greatest. So at risk of offending you, I'm going to ask you a question today. And it's not a question that you would expect a pastor to ask you, right? You would, you would think that I would almost avoid this question. Uh, so are you ready? Okay, so the question is, do you ever feel like Christianity is not working? Oh, man, you answered that pretty quick. <laughs> oh, I got my work cut out today. Actually, I got you right where I want you. All right, so... We go through this, right? So 2023, right out the gate, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm hitting it hard. Does Christianity even work? I decided not to wait till Easter because that's usually when the guilt comes and you're like, Jesus died for me. And you're like, what did I do wrong? You know, kind of stuff. I'm just going to start off now. Okay, is that cool? I'm going to start off with this question. Is, is it working for you? Um, so we all end up in this mindset um, and it's okay. It happens. We're human, right? So you, you get burnt out in the busyness of church, right? We just went through December, and that is a busy, busy month. 
I, I'm exhausted. I, I don't know if you are, but I, I am from that month, even though we're supposed to be having fun. Like, so there is some exhausting things to it. But you get burnout in church. You get discouraged when prayers don't work. Um, you could do, be doing everything right. You could be following the rules, doing what you're supposed to be doing. You look the right way. You act the right way. You listen to the right radio station, and, and you have the right bumper stickers, and you, do, and you didn't flick that person off that cut you off this morning. You know, all you're doing, all the great things, but still, life goes wrong. Bad things still happen, right? It doesn't always go your way, and not always even your fault, you can point the blame at someone else, but you're still living in those circumstances. It doesn't feel good. The unforeseen happens. You pray again, still no change. And you say, God, why didn't you answer my prayer? Do you even care? You ever ask God that? I have. I've, I mean, that might be a little aggressive with the Lord, I know. But I'm like, sometimes like, are you, you even hear me? You even care that I, this is happening does Christianity really work? You're a couple who loves Jesus, doing the right thing. You're involved in action groups. You're getting in the nitty-gritty. You're buying tools for action groups, which is great, right? You're learning how to use them. Um, you're, you're serving on Sundays. You're setting up and tearing down. You're giving. You're doing all these stuff, and then still, things go wrong. And you let, you're left with the question, is, it, is this working, Right? You lo might lose a job. And in the midst of losing a job, there's complications in trying to start a family. You might lose your house or have to move because of the lost job, ultimately causing strife and, and anguish, and you might end up losing your marriage. And you're left wondering, God, why? Why did all this happen? I did all it the right way. Where is he? Does this even work. And it still doesn't even have to be that dramatic. You, you could be attending church, have a decent job, a place to live, a nice car to drive, friends, you go on vacation, but you're just not happy. You're not fulfilled. You don't know why. You're having to go to other things to try to fulfill yourself. You don't understand why is there this gaping hole inside of you you can't seem to find the right thing for. And you ask, does Christianity work? There has got to be a more advantageous way. And we find in Scripture that there is. And when we feel this, we're always recommended the Scriptures. I'm going to go ahead and read it. In John 14, 1 through 6, these are Jesus' words. He says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Easier said than done, right? Like, oh, okay, fine. I just won't be troubled anymore, okay? All right. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to, there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way, catch that, you know the way to the place where I'm going. And I feel like I get Thomas, right? I feel like normally we, most of us would have you know, we get Thomas, right? Because Thomas immediately says, they're all, the rest of them are afraid to speak up. But Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And so Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is trying to tell us 
there's a more advantageous way. And that's, that's why we picked the name of this collection to be advantageous. And some of you are like, I've never heard of that word before. Great, you're going to learn something today. Here's the definition. Involving or creating favorable circumstances that increase the chances of success of, or effectiveness beneficial. That sounds great, right? I, I, wouldn't you want your year to be defined as advantageous? You're like, That's, I, I want that. I want to adopt that in. That's going to be my word for this year, advantageous. We're going to be doing things that involve in creating favorable circumstances for my life, for things to be better. So before we get into the message, before I truly offend you, um, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that we have an advantageous year. So everybody, let's pray. God, I thank you for the opportunity that we get to come back today and meet in your name. Lord, it's not an easy thing to get up and do all this, and it's not a, you know, we'd rather sleep in on the weekends. We'd rather have our time, but we know how important it is. So we've come here today to be in your presence and to learn more about you. So Lord, in this process, I pray that 2023, for us, anybody listening to this message, will be the most advantageous year of our lives. That things will happen, that we will pick up routines, that we will adopt systems in our life, ways of our, in our life that will create opportunity for something better. So help us to see what those things are, Lord. Help us to be more advantageous as we walk with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. So Jesus calls it the way, and the way matters in how we do things. And you're like, ah, yeah, let me give you a couple examples. Okay, uh, let's just start with the things that we say. That's the quickest thing is we usually just cut things just pour out of our mouths. And so let's say you're going out to eat. And if you're a, in a couple, you, you know this too well. You say, this is where we're going to go eat, right? And this is the response that you get. You either go, that's where we're going, or you go, that's where we're going. There's a difference in the way that you say things, Right? Or you're about to leave the house, and your spouse goes, how does this look? And you go, that's what you're wearing? Or say, that's what you're wearing? Like, it's this exciting thing, right? And how you say it, two totally different outcomes, right? It's either going to be a great day or a bad day. Um, <laughs> uh, the Christmas, y'all just went through this, right? You toil over the right gift to get a person, right? And they open it up, and they either go, thanks, or they go, thanks. You know, that's, that's this is interesting. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for, for the, this gift that you, uh, you bought me, you know. The way you do something matters, right? And just from that sentence and just how I carry it out will change the trajectory of your day or a social environment. Right? And so in our maturity as we grow up, some of you still struggle with this, sometimes I do, is that you say the wrong thing at the beginning of a social interaction and mess it up at the end of the, <laughs> for the end of the, the social interaction, right? And you're like, why did this go so bad? Maybe you shouldn't say that thing that you said before it all started. I go through this with my kids all the time. I was like, maybe you shouldn't say that or do that, and you would have a different outcome. And because we want the truth, right? We want the truth in our, in our Christian community, and we lean on truth. It's very important, and it should be, because he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so we generally only focus on truth, because truth is black and white. It's easy to hold something accountable to it, right? It's easy, right? So it's, it's always, I see truth. 
And so it's real easy to stand on that. And we generally do, and that's a very important thing. We should stand on truth. But often we talk about the truth of Jesus and rarely ever talk about or act out the way of Jesus. Church is really good about defining and being creative. And that's one of the fun things about it. We get real creative, like, this is Jesus, and this is what he said, and this is the truth, and here's the, the, uh, I, the, the genealogy of it, and why, it, when he said it in this time, when God said this, and it reflected hundreds of years later, and he said it here, and we can have it all mapped out and know all about it and do nothing with it. We don't act or do anything. So, um, I'm going to give you a quick little Bible trivia, and I say this all the time, so if you don't get this, uh, you haven't been listening. Uh, so what were first century Christians called? Here's a hint. It was not Christians. <laughs> what were first century Christians called? Okay. I hear some things. We're almost there. Okay, I'm just go ahead and say it for you. So these spirit-filled... Jesus-loving, generous pioneers, self-sacrificing, world-changers, heroes of the faith, they were called people of the way. People of the way. Now you go, I, yeah, he did say that. You're right. Oh, man, I, I heard that somewhere. Uh, people of the way. And so their goal wasn't just to have right theology. And their goal wasn't just to have good morals. Their goal was to live in love the way Jesus lived and loved. See, that's a big difference because a lot of people in that time, and they were really good at it, they knew what truth was, and they knew how to define it, but were they really following and living and loving in the way? That's why they called themselves people of the way. So think about the way Jesus lived. Think about that. I know we've seen movies and all that, but just regular, Right? What is Jesus doing when you, he walks out on stage and there's no background music? I mean, what, what is he doing? What, what, how does he perform? How does he act in life? And so we, let's compare it to our lives and what we do. So Jesus is full of joy. Most of us are just full of stress. You could ring us out, right? <laughs> Some, we want that. Please. We will get massages. I get massages. And I, and I tell the lady, the hardest you can go, right? I got a lot of stress. And if you find a knot, you don't leave that knot until it's gone, okay? Squish it out of me. All right. Uh, so we're full of stress. Uh, Jesus didn't worry. It is arguably the truth that we are the most anxious generation ever. Some of you have probably experienced a ghost ring just sitting here because you're like, your ghost ring is when you feel like your phone's ringing and it's not because you're expecting it to ring because you're anxious about what's coming. Did you get enough likes? Is there an email from my boss? You know, I, that person was upset with me. Are they texting me now? You know, all that kind of stuff. Anxious. You are anxious. Okay? Uh, and Jesus stopped for people. When was the last time we just stopped for somebody? When you're presented with an opportunity to stop for somebody, what do you say in your mind? It's not on the calendar. I can't, I can't fit that in today, Right? Ain't got my, any, nobody got time for any of that, right, of, of just hanging out. I got somewhere to be, right? But Jesus stopped for people, and I would say his mission was more important than any mission that we're on. <laughs> Jesus was consumed with an ongoing fellowship with his Father. I can't read my Bible for five minutes without being distracted by my phone or worrying about what my next meal is, even though I just ate, right? <laughs> It's really weird how that happens. 
Imagine if Jesus were like us. It's almost impossible to do. So let's say Jesus, um, he's like sitting there and he's like, man, only if I had a faster, sleeker donkey, right? It would, it would get me in the same place at about the same time. But if it was newer and nicer and blew air just a little bit harder in the air conditioning, if you're not getting the sarcasm, I'm referencing a car. Okay, so what, what if Jesus... Was that worried about it? He'd be like, that, doesn't, that wouldn't make sense. He would just go, right? Bless you, yes. Mm, child, bless you. Uh, what if he's scrolling through Instagram, and he's like, I filmed a video walking on water, no likes? Really? Maybe I'll go heal some blind people. Maybe that will get me some likes. Maybe that'll get me some likes on Instagram, right? Or what if he woke up the day that he was supposed to be crucified and save all the sins of the world, but he woke up just a little too early and he goes, I just can't people today. What, what if that was the case? Don't act like you haven't done that. Sometimes we're just like, I just can't people. You know, I don't want to people. What if he was like, you just, it's hard to imagine that he would be that way. Think about Jesus' behavior, not just his words. When Jesus went somewhere, he walked. Granted, there wasn't cars or trains or anything like that at the time, but there were faster forms, or he could have just not. He could have just let people come to him. But no, he chose to walk. And when he walked, does it say that he scurried along to the next location? No, he said he took his time. There were times that it was frustrating people because he was like, "Just, just hold on. Right? And then he walks off, and it's like, where's Jesus going? Right? We got important things to do. We got some, some fish to multiply and some loaves to multiply. You know, he's got all this stuff, and he's like, where is he going? But he didn't. He just took his time. He walked. He was patient. We are always pushing, always overwhelmed, always rushed. But the truth is we're rushing to something that we don't even like. We're pushing ourselves to something that we, we don't even enjoy. And that's why we end up at the end of the year making a resolution. Hey, I'm not going to do that again because we've made ourselves become something that we don't even want to be. And this isn't just pastor and ivory tower talking like you wretched people. I'm talking to myself too. This is also me. We are all susceptible of our own adaptation of this. We get locked into self-serving paths in our life, things that it's just for us. We let go of healthy routines for small margins of gain. You realize that? Like we, we give up on healthy things that we should be doing just so I can get an extra couple of minutes, so I can get an extra couple of sales in maybe to make a small margin more than what I was before. In the past seven years and one month, and I don't know, a month and a half or something like that, that Hannah and I have been the pastors of Village Heights, we have together taken, and I'm not saying this is a good thing, okay? I'm, I'm, this is not a, a, a best quality. Um, together, we've only taken one Sunday off. One. That's a lot of Sundays, and that's a lot of time. Think about your job and how you need a break sometimes. We need a break sometimes too, but sometimes we get so locked in that we don't do that. We get so, we push ourselves pushing away healthy routines to, to make small margins of gain. And then separately, we've only missed one Sunday each. For me, it was food poisoning. was not fun, right? <laughs> not getting Taco Cabana at 
I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Bleep that out. They're going to sue me. At 1 a.m. or anything like that, or 12 a.m. I'm not doing, never doing that again. Um, for Hannah, she was preaching somewhere else. So technically, she was working still. She went to another church to preach and left me alone here. No, uh, <laughs> no, just kidding. I got some resentment there. Um, but that happens if we let ourselves. And I'm not proud of that. I shouldn't, we shouldn't have done that. We should have taken some time off. So this year, uh, I have scheduled a vacation over a Sunday, and it's next, no, it's not next Sunday, I'm just kidding. Some of you got, got real nervous. It's in August, right? So we got eight months to prepare for this, okay? You've been warned, mark it in your calendar, August, he's out. I'm not going to tell you which day, because I don't want you to prepare that well. I want you to be ready on your toes. I figured it was a good timeline. That was enough time to prepare for one Sunday off. Uh, yeah, you've been, no, you've, you've been put on notice. All right, so... But early in ministry, I was this way. I, I pushed, and I, I went to a university to become a professional pastor, I guess. I don't know how that, how that works. But I learned a lot of things, and they told me how this is supposed to go. And, and so I started out as a youth pastor, and how you, it's usually the path. You start as a youth pastor, and you kind of climb the chain, and you have this career in, in ministry. And, and so I did all that, and I tried all that, and I got the jobs, and I said the right things that they wanted me to say, even though they didn't believe the things that they were saying anyways, you know. It did all the right stuff. It come to find out that I failed terribly at it. I'm not good at faking, and I'm not good at people-pleasing. And I'm sorry for that, but that's just true. And so because I was trying to be something I wasn't, I was pushing myself. I didn't even recognize myself at times. And then I was led to this place, this moment, where either God broke me or he let me wreck myself because it needed to happen. Because the path that I was on, I was asking him for real ministry. I was asking him for, I want to lead people to you, Lord, not just make systems happen and, and keep the ball rolling. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's not what he called me to do. He didn't call me for management. He called me to pave a way, to blaze a trail, to find the people who haven't found Christ yet and to bring them to Christ. That's what he called me to do. And so I was asking that while playing this game, and it's like, it's not going to continue. You've got to kill it. And that's what happened, whether I killed it or somebody else did. It, it died. It died really quick. And I found myself in this place that the way I had been doing the work of God was destroying the work of God in me. The way that I was doing the work of God, which sounds funny, was destroying the work of God in me. So you, and the way you're doing life, your schedule, your pace, it could be destroying. You think, like, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm doing what everybody expects of me. But it could be destroying the work of God in you. And that is a tough pill to swallow. I get that. It really is. Because it's not fair. It isn't. Because, like, if I'm doing everything right, why should I? It's not fair, but nobody said this was ever going to be fair. We end up, but when we do this, it's kind of a slippery slope. We end up with insecurities, unresolved hurts. Uh, we always have these distracting thoughts because we're on a path that we shouldn't really be on. And we end up with these character flaws that end up becoming a self-fulfilling destiny. Where we end up in this place we never wanted to be. And they go, well, how did you end up there? Well, I did all these things. It's like, well, why did you do all those things? I thought I was supposed to. It ends up being this self-fulfilling prophecy 
the things that you are doing now, the way that you are living your life, the way that you are treating your spouse, the way that you are treating your family, the way that you walk into work, the way that you treat your money can be a self-fulfilling demise. And you can only blame yourself because there's a way of doing things. And I, and I get it, culture is pressing um, but you say, this is how we do it. This is how the way the world works. This is the way to success. This is the way to win. This is the way to get ahead. This is the way to be happy. You push it. You drive it harder. You achieve. You conquer. You get things. You flex on them after you get it. You show what you got. The way, that's the way we do it, right? At least that's the way it's portrayed to us in America for sure. But I'm always, anytime I hear something like that, I'm always, I always think about this proverb. In Proverbs 14, 12, it says, This is a way that appears to be right, but in the end leads to death. If only we could forecast a future. If only, that's why it's so appealing to go to a, you know, a crystal ball reader or something like that. Because like, I just wish I knew something, right? Because I don't want to be down the wrong path. I've always thought about going to one just to mess with them. Like, oh, you're so right. Um, so just talking about it is exhausting. If, I don't know, I'm exhausted just, just talking about this. It, it, it tears you, you out emotionally. If you ever get tired of talking about life, what you want to achieve, this sheer thought just takes emotional energy. That in everything that we deal with, this is a cool thing about Jesus, he provides a remedy in the short term but he offers a way for the long term. So there's no surprise in the end. And so in Matthew 11:28, 28, when we feel this emotional pressure, when we feel the culture pushing in on us, we have this, Matthew 11. It says, Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Notice he's, he didn't say, hey, I have, I'll give you your 30-second solution. I'll give you that tweak. No, he said, whatever you're facing, the burden, come with, to me, and I'll give you rest. Take on my yoke. It's such an interesting analogy for that time and for us because when I'm sure when he said this, they're like, a yoke, that's for animals. That's not for us. If you don't know what a yoke is, it's basically a piece of wood that you put two animals under it and they pull a plow or something. You know, they go at the same speed. They go, you know, all, all of that. And, and they work to pull, to harness whatever they have to fulfill the burden that's put upon them, the responsibility that they have. It wasn't really used by humans. So it was a work tool. And he's saying when you feel overwhelmed, that you can't handle life, when you just can't people today, you know, whatever it is, he says, let join my yoke. I don't want you to have to do this alone, right? So if you are going through a difficulty, let me join with you. And here's the cool thing about Jesus. Does he hurry? Does he run? No. He stays at the right pace. And usually, we, we get topsy-turvy, and Jesus is scratching his head, looking, what are you doing? We're doing this together. You're trying to run ahead of Jesus. Like, Jesus, you're not doing it fast enough. No, his timing is right. He knows exactly what he's doing. If you 
think about it in your head. If you're trying to hurry in front of Jesus, what ends up happening? You just go in circles. So you end up facing the same problems over and over again. But he's saying, hey, slow down. Let me walk with you. I can get you through this. I can get you to the other side. There was no single yoke. A yoke was to join two animals. The work was accomplished. There was more of it accomplished because they were doing it together. They worked at the same pace. Jesus in this is saying, I want to help you live a more advantageous way. I want to give you the tools needed to help you along in the process, to set you up for more favorable circumstances, to be joined with him, not just to believe his truth, but to live the way he lived. But Jesus, I know he wasn't a single mom with two jobs, but Jesus doesn't have my boss. Jesus doesn't have, you know, he didn't have the student loans that I have, right? You, you kind of, but he kind of had a big job, you know, just a little thing of being perfect, died sins of the world uh, all for all of time thereafter. Um, long meals, deep conversations, stopping and listening and loving the people that hurt. He had a big responsibility, so he understands the pain. That's why he walked with us. And so today, I don't want you to have a quick fix. I don't want you to have that. I'm not trying to give you one. I want you to sit in the front frustration of it, of whatever you're dealing with. I want you to sit in it so long that you get sick of it. When you get to the point where you're like, I can't take it anymore. There has to be a more advantageous way to go about life. To, to work or be a part of my family. There's got to be something better. I, that's where I want you to be living in this, in this week. So I want you to be tired of the grind. I want you to be tired of the stress, tired of being miserable. I want you to be tired of being afraid, tired of being angry, tired of being anxious to the point where you decide that there's too many problems to solve, there's too much weight to carry, and there's too much pain to bear. There has to be a more advantageous way. And it's not just about the truth that I'm seeing, but it's about the way that I'm doing it. That's where I want you to be. I want you to be so angry. You want, I want you to be mad at me tomorrow. Bill, why did you bring this up? right? That's what I want. I want you to be upset with me. It's okay. I can take it, right? I, I can take you being upset with me. To be completely transparent, this is not going to be easy. There are no quick fixes. There's no quick results. And when the way gets hard, the way that he called us to live, you're like, it's just, I just, it's too difficult. It's too weird. People are going to think I'm strange. You know, if it gets too hard, lean on him. Join his yoke. He will give you rest. Come to Jesus. And the cool thing is you don't have to earn it. He gives it freely. All you have to do is ask. So take his yoke. Join him. Do life with Jesus guiding you, not trying to run ahead of him or run away from him. Find rest for your souls instead of pushing the home for your soul to its limits until it breaks. Stop. Give a chance. And you're like, okay, what else, Bill? How, what else can I do? Nothing else. That's all I want you to do this week. Find your breaking point. I want you to find the breaking point for yourself. The you just can't take it anymore point. It is there. You will find the strength to break the things that are keeping you broken. That thing that keeps you broken every year. Every, when every, it always comes around. Like new resolution, it's really the same one. 
God. A new resolution in a new way. This year, I'm going to find the trick. There's going to be an app for it. I just know it. That thing that is keeping you broken, only Jesus can set you free. He is the one. So let him take up that yoke with you. It's there you will find Jesus waiting, waiting to walk beside you to show you a more advantageous way. And that's it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this opportunity. Lord, and this is a weird way to start a year. I know that, God. It's not happy-go-lucky, and, and we're just going to you know, make sure everything, look, everything looks great. Lord, let's get to the nitty-gritty of it. Lord, let's get to the point in ourselves that we're just going to get to later in the year anyways. Let's start now. Those things that we know need to change. Those things that are broken inside of us, that we're hiding in our insecurities, or we're trying to hide it from others so people don't see it and they think bad of it. Whatever it is, Lord, I pray that we bring it to light, to your light. And Lord, when we are weary in doing that, Lord, just from the emotional uh, um, expelling that we have to do to get to that point, I pray that we have the strength and have the courage, not just to do it on our own, but to take on your yoke, to let you walk with us, to take us down the path, to take us the way, the most advantageous way for our lives. I pray for that strength that we begin to walk it this week. So Lord, whatever it is in our life, even if we don't see it, shine light on it. Let us, let us know it's there. Whatever is separating us from you. And let your will be done in 2023. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.